0: and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationBoise.com. This week, we have been asking the question, what does God call the church family to look like? And we've seen that God does, in fact, call the church to gather corporately with its officers of elders and deacons to preach the word, to administer the sacraments, and to practice church discipline. And we've also addressed some of the problems which destroy local churches, individualism, and we've also talked about what healthy church members should look like. So if you've missed any of those broadcasts, just click on the link at our website, reformationboise.com. Now today we're addressing the doctrinal disagreements that we can face in the local church. We know that, denominationally speaking, there can be differences on doctrine. But how do we deal with doctrinal disagreements in the local church itself?
1: I think if we step back and we, we think about the idea and, and just talk about the idea that really our doctrinal disagreements are the result of our fallenness, a result of our sin. And that's not me saying that everybody that disagrees with me is sinful, otherwise they would agree. What I'm saying is that we lack clarity. We lack understanding. We lack the ability to rightly um, interpret and understand the word of God. That doesn't mean we don't try hard. It doesn't mean that we don't work at it. But what it does mean is two people that are trying to be faithful to the scriptures and have a high view of scripture can disagree about interpretations upon particular texts or particular doctrines. It does mean one's right or one's wrong because God is a God of logic. He can't hold two positions at the same time. (laughs) What it does mean is that we need to be gracious in those disagreements because we need to admit that in our fallenness, it might be us that are in error. It doesn't mean we don't hold convictions, but it does mean that we hold those convictions with humility to take it into another metaphor you
2: know in a battlefield situation you know where uh, people have been injured uh, the medical help will triage certain things they they will they recognize certain things are so serious are so serious that they need to be dealt with first and other things can can wait and so we have to in some ways understand that some things are things that we have to hold to fiercely some things are things that are, you go down the s- scale till you get to uh, that Greek word, things that are adiaphora, things that are indifferent, uh, things that don't really matter, um, things that you might overlook. Maybe it's uh, the weaker brother, stronger brother arguments. Uh, you're going to overlook certain things. You're not going to present those things. You're going to humbly treat those things. But some doctrines are simply doctrines that can't be compromised. Uh, you know, who Jesus is. Is as the Son of God and Son of Man, fully God, fully man. Those are things that to disagree on them puts you in a heretical category, and those are those are important things. And all of us need to understand what those things are. Mm-hmm. That's the most important aspect of that triage. Mm-hmm. And then you know, based on you know, there are other things as you said that are interpretive problems that definitely are interpretive problems, and people hold. You know, ultimately, our whole goal is to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace as much as possible live at peace with all men there's a certain amount of that that we have to continually remind ourselves of. these people don't uh, haven't come to that conclusion in fact all of us have been led doctrinally to a different point from when we were maybe first believers in jesus christ we've learned more yeah. and all of us should have that goal to be ever learning. We want to come to that knowledge of the truth. So we want to be informed by what Scripture says.
3: Mm-hmm. Be informed by what Scripture says. I found that the beginning of agreement on doctrine is to agree on what counts as authority. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, when, when we are agreed on what counts as authority, then we're a long way toward you know, working to agreement and if we can't come to a complete <coughs> agreement, we at least come to understanding and respect. The first, thing, the first thing to be agreed upon is that the Word of God is the ultimate authority, mm-hmm. that it's inspired, that it's infallible. It will faithfully shows us everything that God wants us to know about him and, and about coming to him in faith and a life that pleases him. Very often, conflict arises in the church when something else has snuck in as, a, as an authority, whether it's some, whether it's modern psychology or some kind of, of contemporary ideology, some person, yes, or, or an individual, and often under the guise of biblical authority, uh, under the guise of, uh, it'll come in under the guise of cherry picking the Bible, but when you really start peeling the onion, there's something else counting as authority. In... Uh Romans 14. So the question
0: was, is how do we deal with doctrinal disagreements in the local church? And you're right that oftentimes an authority sneaks in. Paul deals with this directly in Romans 14. He he specifically says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains, pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Now, it's it's a whole doctrine that Paul develops from Romans 14, 1 to halfway through Romans 15. But the idea is, is that we are to welcome people even in spite of practices or even doctrinal disagreements that we might have. And I think one of the ways that I've taught this to um, our local church that I think is helpful is to think about things in terms of concentric circles, like the front door of the church represents one concentric circle. Who is welcomed into the front door? And what I tell my membership class is kind of anyone who's not going to hurt us. <laughs> I mean, um, if you're an unbeliever, if you're a pagan, if you're um, an adulterer, if you're a homosexual, w- we want you to come in and hear the gospel. Amen. Now, there's another circle, membership, in our church. Who is welcomed into the membership? Well, for our church, it is if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're if you're welcome into the kingdom of heaven, we're going to welcome you into the church. Mm-hmm. Then there's another concentric circle, leadership. Well, that circle is a lot tighter. Right. um you're, we're not we have to have a common doctrine in which we agree with that is much smaller than just membership and' certainly in terms of just the front door and I think that's really helpful because um it's not just we settle doctrinal disputes by thinking only in terms of one relationship that we have to one another we have to think in terms of different relationships that we have with different people
2: years ago um Francis Schaefer wrote in a book the church before the watching world said we must ask do I m- Fight merely for doctrinal faithfulness. This is like the wife who never sleeps with anyone else, but never shows love to her own husband. Is that a sufficient relationship in marriage? No, 10,000 times no. Yet if I am a Christian who speaks and acts for doctrinal faithfulness, but do not show love to my divine bridegroom, I am in the same place as such a wife. What God wants from us is not only doctrinal faithfulness, but our love day by day, not in theory, mind you, but in practice. Those of us who are children of God must realize the seriousness of modern apostasy. We must urge each other not to have any part of it. But at the same time, we must be the loving, true bride of the divine bridegroom in reality and in practice, day by day, in the midst of the spiritual adultery of our day. Our call is first to be a bride faithful, but that is not the total call. The call is not only to be a bride faithful, but also to be a bride in love. Mm.
3: Yeah, and uh, Schaefer had a lot of wisdom, this whole area, and he also wrote a book called The Mark of the Christian, that the mark of the Christian is love, and of course, based on the teaching of Jesus by this all, people will come to know that you are my disciples, that you love one another, Mm -hmm. not that you have perfect doctrine, Mm -hmm. and I think we've all experienced uh, doctrinal fight, even great doctrinal fidelity that was as dry as a desert. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't lead to love, we're noisy gongs and noisy gongs and clanging cymbals.
0: So let me let me jump right there.
3: So love,
0: would you say that love at some point would lead us to leave a church if the doctrine had reached such a kind of critical mass of error?
2: Love for the love for Christ, our our head. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And this goes back, and and um, Josh and I have talked about this off the air, so we can probably have this conversation on the air. Um, I come from a tradition um, where in order to become a member, you profess your alignment with the confessions of the church that we hold to. Um, So that's a little bit different than what Josh is saying. Um, That would be in their church that they would hold that standard for office bearers, but not necessarily for members. Mm -hmm. So then when you get to a question of what doctrines should you leave the church over, we would back that up and already have that conversation of what doctrines should you join the church over as well. And that question's already been established with them joining the church, that they, in that joining, say, we agree with the confessions that are taught within this church. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we, we do that, at least in part, is, especially if you're parents, if you have children that you're raising and you aren't actually in agreement with the church on certain doctrines and you've become a member, and the pastor, I'm assuming, is going to preach according to the confessions that they hold in line with the word of God, you're in a position as a parent of having to go home and tell your kids, well, the pastor said this today and we disagree with him. Well, we don't want to put a family in that situation. Right. And so that's why we not only have full subscription for office bearers, we also have full subscription for those that are within the church body that are becoming members so that they're not put in a position of saying, well, the church teaches X, but we believe Y. But when you, what doctrine should you leave a church over? Basically, then you have to say, did the church forsake their own commitments? And if the answer to that is yes, then it's not only appropriate, but it's right to leave a church if they've forsaken their own commitments to their own standards and to their own um, doctrines. I might split the difference between Russ and, <laughs> and Josh here. Hey, there's because, no disagreements
0: here. Okay. <laughs>
2: because, because I would say that, you know, like like Russ, these, these things are the doctrines that we believe. And when somebody comes into the church – you know we're not expecting them to have some theological education to be a member of the of the church but we are expecting them to say i will submit to these teachings and listen to these teachings and be informed by these teachings you know so yeah there might be times when you go home and you you say well this is different than what i had heard or what I'd always thought, and then you can be a Berean and search out whether these things are, are true or not. So I kind of, you know, I, I'm kind of in the middle between both, both of you. I, I want to say these are, you know, I want our people to be fully informed of what this church believes as they join it. But they may have a difference over, uh, you know, some something that might be rather in Indifferent to, or as I mentioned before, the Greek word adiaphora, it, things are indifferent. You know, it's it's you know some people regard this day as more important than another, or some you know there are some things that Paul says were indifferent. Uh, you could be, it's not this or that. It's faithfulness. Yeah.
0: Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you'd like to listen to some of our past broadcasts, just go to ReformationBoise.com. There, you can also find information about our annual upcoming conference. We hope to see you next time.